Just a reminder before we jump into Daniel 9 again, if you arrived since we started, the prayer room is open tonight and they're waiting with lots of love to pray for you. If you need prayer, head over there. doesn't distract me if you go over there. I totally understand if you could use your time more uh, fruitfully by getting prayer than listening to me teach. But we've seen in Daniel chapter one through six, if you've been here, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's basically a historical narrative covering 65 years of events that Daniel has experienced in Babylon as he served under three Babylonian kings and two Persian kings. He had a long career there in Babylon, in captivity, chapter 7 through 12 that we're in now, we're in chapter 9 tonight, is Daniel's kind of prophecy journal that is, it's like an addendum that's tacked on to chapters 1 through 6. 1 through 6 takes us through the whole history of Daniel's time there, and then the rest of the, the book is like an addendum or a his journal of visions and dreams that Daniel had over all those years that he, would, that he was in Babylon, those years that he served under those kings. We come now to chapter nine. It says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. So this was when the Medes and the Persians rose up and kind of took over from Babylon. Babylon had been the world-dominating power, and now they were coming down. Nations rise and nations fall. Kingdoms rise and they fall. And so the, we have this time stamp here. Daniel says it was in the first year of Darius when the Medes and the Persians came into power. In the first year of his reign, of Darius's reign, I, Daniel, notice what he says here. I understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. So Daniel's been reading the prophet Jeremiah. Okay, we've recently studied through the prophet Jeremiah. Daniel had the same book of Jeremiah, the scroll of Jeremiah. And he says, in the first year of this reign of Darius, the, when the Medes came into power... I understood, I was reading the scripture, I was reading the scroll of Jeremiah and I understood that God would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So he's reading this and he realizes that God had said before anybody was deported, before there was any exile and before Jerusalem had been destroyed, that it was gonna be 70 years a 70-year spanking in Babylon. Daniel is now in his 80s, okay? When he was, he was deported in the first deportation when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and when God was cleaning out the temple. Daniel was probably 15 years old when he was taken captive into Babylon. Now he's 80, he's, he's, he's in his 80s. He's approaching 85 years old. When Daniel was a little boy back in Jerusalem, before he was deported, he heard Jeremiah. He heard Jeremiah the prophet warning the people in Judah of this exile, this, this, that the Babylonians were, would come in. He, he heard about this exile if they didn't turn from their idols back to God. And, and Daniel now, he's been in this exile for all these years, for decades. For 40 years, Jeremiah had been preaching. We, we, we studied, when we studied Jeremiah, he'd been warning Judah, the southern kingdom where Jerusalem is, where the temple is in Jerusalem. He'd been warning them, you gotta turn back to God. You gotta turn back to the sacrifice at the temple because that's where God was known. God is self-sacrificial. 
redeeming love, and that's the message of the sacrifice. But they had turned their back on that, and they had been putting, they'd been making idols, which are lies about God, and God takes this seriously. He doesn't like being lied about, like you, just like you don't like being lied about. Because when you're lied about and people believe those lies, people, they, they, they kind of stay at a distance from you. You ever hear lies about somebody and you're kind of like going like, you kind of stand back? And then you realize later, that was a total lie about this person. That person's nothing like this. Well, God, when God is slandered, people stay away from him. And so God is saying to his people through Jeremiah, you gotta come back to the truth about me because it's through you that I'm gonna make myself known to the world. You see? And so God, he, Jeremiah said he's gonna use the Babylonians to clean his house if y'all don't break those idols down and get back to the worship that I've prescribed at the temple. And God had said through Jeremiah, it's gonna be 70 year spanking. It's gonna be a 70 year spanking in Babylon. And then I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back to the land that I gave you forever. And you'll rebuild and I'm gonna carry on with my plan through you for the entire world. Okay, so Daniel as a young boy, he heard the prophet Jeremiah warning of this 70 years. Well, Judah didn't turn back and all that Jeremiah and the other prophets had warned of, it all came to pass. And we saw those who resisted, the Babylonians, they died. Those that submitted, because this is what God was using them to spank his people, they were taken captive, thousands of Jews. And among them, among the captives, there were three waves of deportations. Among the first wave was this brilliant, young, handsome teenager, the scripture tells us, Daniel and his companions. They had been selected by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, to be trained in the culture and the language of Babylon so that they could be used by Babylon for the benefit of Babylon. And we've seen in chapter one through six that Daniel ended up serving through the reign of three of the kings of Babylon, as I mentioned, and then two of the Persian kings. He said he had this understanding, reading the scripture, reading Jeremiah in the first year of the reign of that first Persian king. The Medes and the Persians are now the world ruling empire and Daniel, he was so gifted that when the new kingdom took over, they said, we wanna keep this guy Daniel. This was how brilliant this guy was, how God's favor was upon him. And he remained faithful to God, we saw, even through some serious trials. And God promoted him and gave him favor in the eyes of all these kings. He served in the halls of government, of the world ruling empires. And some of these kings we've seen were actually influenced by Daniel and came to worship the God of Daniel. The God that we find has revealed himself in scripture and in his son, Jesus. Now by the time we get here to chapter nine, okay, Daniel has had this long, illustrious career serving these kings for just about 70 years. He's approaching 85, he's an old man, he's reading the Bible. This is what we find, it was like I was reading the scripture. You know, you picture him with a cup of coffee and I don't know what he was doing, looking out over the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire. And he's reading Jeremiah. He's looking there where Jeremiah had prophesied that the exile would be 70 years and Daniel starts doing the math. Brilliant kid. He's like, I was 15 years old when this whole thing started. I was in the first deportation and now here I am, almost 85, 85 minus 15. And he's looking and the number is the same number that Jeremiah had preached and that was written 
And here he is reading this, and he's moved, okay? He's moved, realizing the time is close. The time is close. God is going to bring us home. This is what's happening in Daniel's heart. God's going to bring us back. It's, 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 all, it's almost time. We're going to rebuild. We're going to go back and inhabit our ancient homeland. Daniel undoubtedly also knew of Isaiah's prophecies concerning Cyrus. If you were here when we studied the, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 44 of Isaiah and 45, 140 years before a Persian king would arise named Cyrus, Isaiah prophesied that a Persian king would one day arise named Cyrus. He named him by name 140 years in advance and that that Persian king would facilitate the Jewish people going back to their ancient homeland to rebuild and to worship their God again after their captivity. Daniel must have been encouraged. He must have been encouraged as he's serving there in the Persian Empire and he's watching this man named Cyrus rise to be the king over the empire, just as Isaiah said. Cyrus, who in his first year, the first year of his reign, was prompted by God to declare that the temple in Jerusalem should be rebuilt. Now you have to realize, Persia is modern-day Iran, okay? An ancient king of Persia, modern-day Iran, was raised up by God to be favorably disposed to the Jewish people. And Cyrus made a decree. He declared that it's time for the Jewish people to go back to their ancient homeland and to rebuild their temple and to worship their God, for their God is the God of gods. He's the God of heaven. (laughs) In our present political world, world politics, world terrorism, this is mind-blowing, that an ancient Persian king decreed that Israel is the ancient homeland of the Jewish people and that they are to be returned to their place to rebuild, to inhabit their land, the land that God gave their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, forever. Imagine that. Daniel reading the book of Jeremiah here, remembering what Isaiah said about this leader named Cyrus, he realizes this is happening. This is happening right now. We're going to be making this thousand-mile journey back to our homeland to rebuild. And Cyrus, the king of Persia, the, you can study this in Scripture. You can study it looking back in archaeology, in, in secular history. Cyrus facilitated the return of the Jewish people back to the land of Israel He gave them permits. He provided materials. He gave them an escort to see them along this long, dangerous journey to go back. We studied this. This is what the book of Nehemiah is about. This is what the book of Ezra is about. It was before Cyrus that Nehemiah went And Cyrus was touched by God and said, it's time for you all to go back to your land and rebuild your temple to worship your God because your God is the God of gods. Isn't that a trip? I wish some of these Iranian mullahs and ayatollahs would read their own history with their own, because the the law of the Medes and the Persians, once it was stated according to their own decrees, was inalterable, okay? Daniel himself will not go back, but thousands would return under Nehemiah, under Ezra. There is no record of Daniel's death. It's interesting. 
but it's presumed that he died and was buried in Babylon. But check out Cyrus's cylinder. This is, the archaeologists have dug this thing up. And on this cylinder is stated Cyrus's general policy of returning exiles to their settlements, allowing them to take their gods with them and rebuild their sanctuaries. Cyrus's specific proclamation to the Jewish people is found in Ezra. Look at Ezra chapter one, starting in verse two. Thus says Cyrus, the king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me. He's talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Daniel. Imagine today, one of these Iranian ayatollahs saying, everything I have the God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of the Bible has given me. This is what Cyrus said. And he has commanded me, says the king of Persia, to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you, he says in this big decree in all the world, who among you are of his people? He's talking about the Jewish people. May his God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him. If there's any exiles, if there's any Jewish people exiled anywhere, because he's king over the whole earth, this is a world empire. If any of them have, don't have the means to get back, the king of the world says, let their neighbors give them what they need to get back. Let them help with silver, gold, and goods, and livestock besides freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And so Daniel, reading the book of Jeremiah, considering Isaiah, that God would raise up Cyrus, he's sitting there, you know, having this time in the scripture, contemplating it all, and he's touched. He's blown away by the nature and character of God, and we know the portion. We know the portion that Daniel sat and was reading when he was so touched here, when he was realizing these things. When he saw, we know the portion in Jeremiah that speaks that the captivity would be 70 years. Check out what so moved Daniel. Jeremiah 29, 10, thus says the Lord. And this was before the captivity. This is Jeremiah before the Babylonians invaded. After 70 years are completed, Jeremiah said at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you. And I will cause you to return to this place, he says to his disobedient people that have rebelled against him and thus are being spanked in Babylon. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. The people had been sent into captivity because of their sin, because of their idolatry, because they turned their back. And here God, even before he, the spanking began, he said, after 70 years, I'm gonna come to you and I'm gonna speak these tender words to you. My thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace, not of evil, not I mean, my thoughts towards you are of, of your future and, and hope. And then you will call upon me. This is what Daniel's reading 70 years later in, after all this time in captivity. And then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. This is what Daniel has been reading there on this day, in this first year of, Dar of, si of Darius, the king of Persia. 
and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. I'll bring you back to the land I've given you, back to the city of Jerusalem. And so reading this, Daniel, as we're gonna see, he's broken. He's, he's just broken before God. And he's moved to pray the prayer that we're gonna see him pray here in the text. He's melted. He's been reading the He's reading the word and he's seeing God's heart. And he's melted by the love and the faithfulness of God that God has for his unfaithful people. Remember, this is the picture that we're looking at here. Daniel's blown away that God's thinking on them and he's thinking on them with such kindness, with such good intention towards them, that he's declaring over them peace, not evil. He says, pray, pray to me and I'll listen. Search for me, you'll find me. Daniel reading here from Jeremiah, his heart is deeply touched. Notice he starts fasting and praying. He starts fasting and praying and confessing the sins, his sins, the sins of the people. He said, I set my face toward the Lord God to make my request by prayer and supplications with sackcloth, fasting, and ashes. These, are out, these were outward signs in the Jewish culture of inward grief and discomfort and mourning. He's touched, he's so grieved, oh God. You know, they would do these dramatic, just putting ashes on their head, wearing uncomfortable clothes, you know, fasting and, you know, oh God. This is conviction, not condemnation. Conviction draws us to God. This is what God does in your life. He convicts. To, and it, if you want to know if it's from God, it, it's drawing you towards him. Condemnation is not from God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Con condemnation is what the devil does. Who is he that condemns, Paul asks in Romans? It's not Jesus. Jesus is the one that died for all that sin. He's not beating you on the head with it. He got beat on the head for your sin, as your sin. This is conviction. This is Daniel blown away by the love of God. And he says, and I prayed to the Lord my God and I made confession and I said, oh Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy. As he begins to pray, he begins to remember, God, this is who you are. This is who you are. You're great, you're awesome, and you're the God who keeps your covenant and mercy to those who love you and those who keep your commandments. The goodness and faithfulness of God that Daniel is reminded of by this scripture that he's reading is touching him deeply. And by this show of grief and confession of sin, he's being drawn close to the Lord. This is what's happening here. And he says, we've sinned. God, we've committed iniquity. <clears throat> we've done wickedly. We've rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgment. Neither, we haven't listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and to all the people of the land. We ignored you. We, we've drifted from you, Lord. We drifted from you. We drifted away from the words of your prophets. Oh, Lord, righteousness belongs to you. Everything you do, Lord, is right. But to us, shame of face, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries to which you've driven them because of, of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. Our situation, as we're in captivity and Jerusalem is destroyed and the temple has been decimated, it's not your fault, God. The mess that we find ourselves in, it's not your fault. We're the ones 
who've turned our backs on you and upon your ways. Oh Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers because we've sinned against you. We blew it, Lord. This is what we call confession. You own up. You just say it all, and you say it like it is. I really blew it, God. I blew it. To you, Lord, to you, to to the Lord our God, what belongs to God? Mercy and forgiveness. Though though we've rebelled against you, Lord, here's who you are. You're merciful and forgiving. We've messed things up, but there's hope because you're merciful and you're forgiving. We've not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he set before us, his servants, by the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed, all of us. Departed and not obeyed your voice. Therefore, this curse, this mess that we were in and Jerusalem destroyed and we've been in captivity. And the oath that was written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, It's been poured out on us because we've sinned against him. Just like you said, in other words, through your servant Moses, the lawgiver, and you can find this in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, God says, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. (laughs) You know, choose life, choose my way. And And here, Daniel's saying, it's happened just like you said. We turned our back and now we're in this mess. It's our fault, Lord. And he has confirmed his word, which he spoke against us and our judges who judged us and by bringing on us this great disaster under, for under the whole heaven, such has never been done. What has been done to Jerusalem, the devastation. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, just like he said, a blessing or a curse. And yet we've not made our prayer. Notice this. Here Daniel's praying. (laughs) We've not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquity and understand your truth. Our prayerlessness is part of our sin. We've not turned. And in the Old Testament, that's what it means to repent. It means to simply turn. We've made all these idols. We turned our back on you. And we've not turned back to you. That's all it means to repent. You just turn towards the Lord again. And here Daniel's confessing and says, therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed. And now, O Lord, now, O Lord, here's his prayer. After confessing the sin and rehearsing before God why they're in such a mess. It's not your fault, God, it's ours. He says, and now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt hundreds and hundreds of years previous, you, O God, you are the one who brought us, your people, out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. You made a name for yourself as it is This day we've sinned and done wickedly. In other words, oh God, here we are in the land of Babylon. What are we doing here? This isn't our land. This isn't our place. What were they doing in Egypt? He recalls and says, you brought us out of Egypt. You made a way when there was no way. He opened up the Red Sea and they walked through it. They escaped the bondage in Egypt as God was bringing them into their own land. You remember the story in Exodus. Here they are in Babylon and he's recalling, God, you've done this for us before. You took us out of Egypt into our land. Now, oh Lord, he's getting ready. He's, he's realizing now's the time you're gonna bring us back again, again into the land that you've given us. Oh Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, Daniel says, let your anger and fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, Because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all around us, devastated, destroyed. 
with his mind filled with the prophecies he's reading it from the book of Jeremiah, that the captivity would be for 70 years, as his mind is filled with the prophecies of Isaiah and he's realizing Cyrus is being risen up, this Cyrus that Isaiah named by name. Daniel is saying, in essence, what you've said, Lord. He's, he's responding to the word of God in prayer. He's saying, basically, in essence, what you've said in your word, let it be. This is, and this is real prayer right here, guys. When you understand what God's word says and you begin to pray according to the word of God, to the will of God, that's the prayer that God answers. That's the prayer that he answers. Lord, let it be. Let your people return to their ancient homeland in Jerusalem, your temple be rebuilt. Let your glory return to your land and your house. Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplication, speaking of himself in the third person. Lord, hear my prayer. And for the Lord's sake, for your sake, O Lord, cause your face to shine upon us. Smile upon us again, Lord. May we know your smile. Don't you love those people in your life that every time you see them, you look at them, they smile at you? Those are the people you're like, I love being around this person, <laughs> you know? My wife, when I see her, she always gives me that little smile. So I love that smile. That means I'm not in trouble. <laughs> it means I can draw close and enjoy her presence. You know, this is what Daniel's praying. Oh Lord, now, oh Lord, hear the prayer of your servant. Lord, for your sake, Lord, cause, cause your face to shine on us. Lord, we wanna just experience your smile on your sanctuary, Lord, Rebuild Jerusalem. Rebuild the temple, Lord. He's reacting, he's, he's, he's reacting to what he's seeing in the word. This is the time, 70 years. Cyrus is being raised up. Let it be, Lord. Do it, Lord. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear and open your eyes and see the dust. Look at your city, Lord. It's called by your name. It's totally destroyed. For we do not present our supplications before you, Lord, because of our righteous deeds. I'm not praying this, God, because based upon our performance. Our performance has been terrible. That's not the basis of why I'm asking you to do this, but I'm asking on the basis of your great mercies. Here's a key for our prayer lives. This is what it means to pray when Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I don't approach God on the basis of here I am God because I'm such a good guy, please hear my prayer because I'm not such a good guy. I come and I say, Lord, because of what a great guy your son Jesus is and because of the, his finished work on the cross and forgiving all my sins, Lord, hear my prayer. Because you've forgiven me and cleansed me and clothed me in your righteousness, Lord. And because I'm praying <coughs> according to what I see in the nature of your son Jesus, Lord. In Jesus' name, hear my prayer. You know, in Jesus' name isn't, isn't an abracadabra thing at the end of your prayer, like some magical incantation, like if you say that that now God's obligated to answer that prayer. In the name of Jesus, you know, in the name of Jesus, God, just smite my neighbor. That's not according to the nature of Jesus. He's not wanting to smite your neighbor. He's wanting to save your neighbor. <laughs> so you could add your abracadabra on the end of a prayer that's not according to the nature of Jesus. The name in the Hebrew culture, the, someone's name spoke of their nature. If our prayers are in line with the nature of God that's revealed in Jesus, that's the prayer God hears, whether you put in Jesus' name at the end of your prayer or not. You see what I'm saying? It's not a little magic 
you know, magic word at the end of a prayer. Now God's got to do it. He's saying we don't present these prayers, this prayer. I don't present this prayer before you because of our righteous deeds. No, but because of your great mercies. Daniel's confidence isn't in the goodness of God's people. They're a total disaster. They're a mess. His confidence is in the goodness and mercies of God. Daniel's not asking on the basis of their performance. It's been terrible. My performance is not consistent. There's nobody here that can say, I've arrived, you know, I've attained all of this. Nobody here, not one. And if you say you have no sin, it says in 1 John chapter 1, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. You're full of BS is what what John is saying. You know, Paul the Apostle said, he said to the Philippians, I I need you to know, I haven't yet attained all this, neither have I already perfected, because I know how you look at me. I'm the Apostle Paul. You're thinking, no, that guy's arrived. That's why God's working through his life. Paul's like, I haven't arrived. Neither have I attained all these things, yet one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Nobody's arrived. And and so how can we pray before God? Nobody feels worthy. Nobody. You don't feel worthy and that's why you don't pray? Guess what? Nobody feels worthy. But we don't pray because we've been doing so good. And I'm such a good guy. We We don't ask you for this, Lord, because, notice, because of our righteous deeds. Because they're not consistent. We haven't arrived, but we pray this, Lord. We, I pray this, Daniel says, because of your great mercy. This is the basis of my prayer to you. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, listen and act. Do not delay, Lord, for your own sake. Oh my God, for your city and your people that are called by your name, Daniel's getting Pentecostal with his bad self here. (laughs) If you would have heard Daniel praying this prayer, you'd be like going, whoa, this dude is going for it, man. He is going for it. He's been touched. He's been touched by the word of God. He's been touched by the love of God. He's been touched by the faithfulness of God. He's been touched because God all of his thoughts towards his disobedient people in exile there are nothing but good to give him a future and a hope. He's not condemning them. He's getting down with his bad self here in prayer. (laughs) And so what precipitated all of this repentance and confession and all this prayer, what precipitated this? What is it that's drawing Daniel here so close to the Lord? This all happened when Daniel opened the book of Jeremiah and he read the scriptures and he found there, God's not done with us. He hasn't abandoned us. Even after we've messed up so royally, God's not finished. This hunger to draw close to God, to pray that God will do what he said he would do, is, it's growing in Daniel as he's reminded of God's great mercies as he's experiencing in the scripture and by the spirit of God on the, you know, illuminating the word of God as he's experiencing or here the kindness of God, how faithful God is and patient he's been and how forgiving he is. This is what is moving Daniel here to the place of humility and even sorrow over his sin, over their sin. It's, look at Romans 2, 2, 4. It is the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the goodness or the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. This is what's happening to Daniel. When we encounter the goodness and we realize how patient he is, we come to see that he's provided for our forgiveness. It's it's already done. 
that he's wanting and he's waiting to forgive us and cleanse us and restore us and get us back in the game when we taste of his great mercy toward us. That is what draws us near to him and away from whatever's been destroying us. This is what happened to Daniel here. He's having an encounter with God in God's word in the prophet Jeremiah. There as Daniel's been meditating on these passages, he could hear God speaking to his soul. I intend good for you, not evil. My thoughts towards you are peace, not war. My intentions towards you are to give you a future and a hope. When you pray to me, I'm, I'm gonna listen. When you seek me, you're gonna find me. I wanna ask you tonight, and we'll close with this in the next few minutes. What is your perception of God? What do you think about when you think about God? What comes into your mind? Let me say this, if we drift from God's word, God's word is God's revelation of himself. Okay, if you wanna know me, come and hang out with me. Ask me questions. Let me talk to you. If you go to someone that doesn't know me or someone that doesn't like me, you're not gonna get to know me. You're gonna get a distorted picture of me. Okay, when we drift from God's word, and here Daniel's been reading the word, the prophet Jeremiah. When I drift from the word of God, when I, when I fail to look unto Jesus, who is the ultimate revelation, the definitive revelation of God is Jesus himself. If you, if you lose your Bible, if you're thrown into a prison in some foreign land and you don't have a Bible, just think about Jesus. Because the whole Bible speaks of him. <laughs> Everything we need to know about God is in Jesus Christ. When we see him, we see the image of the invisible God, the exact representation of God's being. Hebrews chapter one, verse one. Okay? But when I drift from the word of God, my mind is filled with all the typical ideas about God, that he's angry and he's sick and tired of me. And when I have these thoughts in my head, I'm at, I stay at a distance from him. If every time I see you, you scowl at me, I'm not, I don't want to be around you. <laughs> I'll start going around wherever you are. I'll start going, I'll take a detour all the way around you. But man, that one who smiles every time you see him. If we see God as he is, as Daniel's seeing him here, merciful and kind, ready to forgive, wanting to bless, wanting to get us back into the plan that he has for us. You're gonna find yourself praying like Daniel here. You know, the worst thing I can do, we can do, is forget who God is. The worst thing we can do is drift away from seeing him in the ultimate revelation of himself, which is Jesus Christ. When I forget who he is, all these crazy thoughts run through my mind. I find myself condemned and hopeless, beat up, especially when I stumble and fall. And guess what, guys? James chapter three, verse two. We all stumble in many ways. I remember reading that. James is like, we all stumble. In, I'm like, that is so true. We all stumble in many ways. But when, and when I forget who God is, when I fall and I do fall, I feel like there's no hope. There's no hope to get back up. God's angry at me. He's disgusted with me, sick and tired of me. This is why Jesus calls us to communion. Last Supper, right? Do this what? Do this in what? Remembrance of me, 
I want you to take, when you got in, the, and they, they always sat and they had bread and hummus and they had all this food and the glass of wine. They, all, they drank wine. Jesus made wine. I'm sorry. If you're an alcoholic, forget about it. But the bread and the wine, it was part of their daily dinner. And then the very last time they ate together, the last supper, they'd eaten together hundreds of times. He took the bread of the normal meal and he broke it and he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Take it and eat. Remember, my body was broken for you. I love you. I love you. Take this cup. He took the wine. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant that was the blood, my blood that was shed for your sins. You know what, when we take communion, we're remembering the most important stuff that God knew we would be prone to forget. That when we forget it, our minds are filled with all these crazy pagan thoughts. God's angry at us, he hates us, he's sick and tired of us. That's totally demonic and satanic. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Take communion. (laughs) Take the bread. He loves you to death. He loves you literally to death. His blood was shed. Your sins are gone. You're in the favor of God, you see. Daniel here is remembering in Scripture who God is and his heart is moved. And this is why he's praying like he's praying here. Jeremiah, whom Daniel has been reading, he also wrote the book of Lamentations. Remember Lamentations? Check out this truth, because Daniel's been reading Jeremiah. He's, reading, he's been reading the book of Jeremiah. The, he's been reading the book of Lamentations. He was reading these words. It's through the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new Every morning, and great is your faithfulness. Notice there, his mercies, this is his unfailing love. It's because the Lord's unfailing love, we are not consumed. It's because his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I want to finish with this tonight. You might be there thinking, you don't know me though. You don't know the struggles that I have with certain sins, Pastor. Surely I've exhausted the supply of God's patience and love. I'm just waiting for the hammer to fall. You don't know the morbid existence I live in. Listen to what Jeremiah says there. It's through the Lord's mercies, his unfailing love that we're not consumed because his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. You know, when I was a young Christian, I thought, you become a Christian, right? You go to the prayer room, they give you a Bible, they give you like a new believer's handbook and a bottle of grace. Every time you sin, you, you sprinkle a little of that grace on you. But then what happens after 15 years and you look and there's one drop left? This was my idea. I'm like, here it goes. It's like my last meal. <laughs> and then the next time it's like I'm done. God's done, right? That is a f- big, big X through that vision, okay? God's grace, God's mercies, His compassions don't fail. His unfailing love and mercies are renewed every morning. Here's the picture. You get a Bible and a new believer's packet and a bottle of grace. You use a couple drops every day and every day he tops it off forever and ever and ever and ever. It never, ever is diminished. Let let me share this with you, and we'll close with this. Romans chapter 5, verse 20, at the very end of my notes. Romans 5, 20, the very end. 
where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Okay, that word in the Greek, abounded much more. Where your sin abounds, grace superabounds. Okay? However much you blow it, his grace is way more than however much you blow it. Okay? It's inexhaustible. His grace is inexhaustible. There isn't any limit to it. His compassions don't fail. Okay? What that means is it never, ever, ever, ever runs out. It never runs out. Isn't that amazing? Where are you coming from tonight? Where have you been lately? Listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to the heart of God for you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. And he's touching your heart. And he's bringing you home. And he's putting you back into the plan that he has because he wants to work through you for the world. He wants to work through you for the world. Your failures will just make you more compassionate, more empathetic, you know? That holier-than-thou, judgmental, self-righteous guy, that Pharisee that you maybe have been and now you've failed, God's crushing that guy. I'm sorry to say, that's been your pain. But he's not done with you. You're just beginning. Things are just ready to start Daniel's reading the word and he's like, this is happening. This is happening right now. Oh God, bring it on. And may he bring it on in your life. May there be a new chapter that begins even now. As you get up, as you get up and you get back because he's putting you back in the game. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that as Daniel sat and read and meditated in the book of Jeremiah, that we can sit here today and meditate in the book of Daniel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and the book of Psalms. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, your kindness, your goodness, your love, that you're ready to forgive that your thoughts toward us are good and not evil. That you have a future. No matter who we are or what we've done or where we've been, you have a future and a hope. Lord, I pray that we would hear your word and we would get up and live off of it. We would live off of it and you would use us to your glory as we enjoy that fellowship with you. And we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. And everybody who agreed, sit out loud together. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Blessings be upon you. Say hi to someone on your way out. Maybe a high five, a fist bump, whatever you do. We'll see you next time. Next time, the second half of Daniel 9, mind-blowing prophecy. It's a prophecy. It's prophecy stuff next time. So come on out. We'll see you then. God bless.